From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, December 10th. There's a shortage of nurses throughout the country, but especially in rural areas like Moab. Causes include an aging workforce, burnout from the pandemic, and salaries competing with those in cities. The Health Resources and Services Administration says rural regions make up 60% of those facing shortages of health professionals. And in Moab, a lack of housing is preventing hiring from outside the community. Justin Higginbottom reports on this trend. For years, Will Hurley worked seasonally in Moab, guiding for Outward Bound. But eventually, he decided he wanted something a bit more steady. You know, the idea was for me to go to some nursing school and kind of get some experience, get a real profession. And then the, the hope and dream was that I could then move to a community like Moab. He graduated nursing school in 2016 and found work in Denver. But he always kept an eye out for positions in Moab. Eventually one opened and he moved back to town. He found nurses like him were really needed. From the time that I was there, I just saw more senior nurses who had been there either move into management positions or, you know, leave the profession. Their hiring spree just, I felt like, I felt like I was maybe more on the front wave of their, their now seemingly endless, you know, needs to hire. Hurley worked at Moab Regional Hospital for three years. During that time, he had to move three times, from rental to rental. Long-term housing was disappearing. Rents were soaring. When he met his wife, they decided making life work here just wasn't possible. Our ability to buy a home in Moab, like, it just was never there. It, that, that dream kind of quickly got, got quelched. You know, my, my salary is a nurse and her salary is a server. And as a young working couple, a young working professional, we, we can't afford to buy a home here. And, you know, the dream was to be able to be able to buy a home and have some property and let our dogs run around and be in a nice, small outdoor community. And that just never, never seemed realistic there. His wife and him left Moab, and the town was down an experienced nurse, something this rural community desperately needs. A nursing and healthcare professional shortage has hit the entire country, but rural areas are especially impacted. Add Moab's ballooning cost of living, and it makes it even worse. So since I graduated from nursing school, which was in 1996, we've been talking about this nursing shortage that was going to hit in 2025. It's been like it's been in the literature forever. And what that was based on is the baby boomer nurses retiring. That's Connie Wilson. She's a professor of nursing at Utah State University's campus in Moab. She says the pandemic helped move that timetable up. As of early December, there's over 20 open positions on Moab Regional's website. More than half are for nurses. The hospital in Moab, like other rural areas, relies on travel nurses to fill this gap. They come from out of town for short periods of time, maybe a few months, and their wages can be triple what they might make if anchored to one hospital. Local nurses' wages have also risen because of this demand. Nurses working at the hospital now, they've just recently increased wages because we're trying to keep from bleeding nurses. So the new graduate nurse wage when I first started teaching was about $23 an hour, and now five years later, it's about $32 an hour. But even at those increased wages, it's not enough to keep around someone like Hurley. Wilson says the mission of USU is to train locals who might have a higher chance of sticking around. Because they were worried about the nursing shortage, they just hired six of my students who were going to graduate in April and had them sign a two-year contract. They offer them a nice little package, and so they're locking in my students before they graduate. Nurses that are working in a short-staffed hospital can feel more pressure, explains Wilson. That can cause a dangerous feedback loop. Less workers means more stress. More stress means more people leave. 
everybody has been feeling guilty about. Like, in fact, I remember hearing somebody say that they just don't even like any text messages from the hospital because they feel guilty about not coming in. You're, you know you're hurting your fellow coworkers when you can't come in. And every, you know, lots of nurses are working overtime. Doug Kaler runs the Moab Free Health Clinic. Even though it's a small shop, he also had hiring issues recently. You know, we actually did lose a nurse due to the housing issues here in town uh, uh, about a year ago. A uh, Hispanic-speaking nurse that had worked for us for about two years, had uh, gone through nursing school, and then now was in a job where she was making good money at the at the clinic working for us, and obviously wanted to move up to the next level and buy a house and, and have a, a place to call her own uh, here in Moab. Uh, we spent months looking and, and trying to find places for her and helping her um, and did everything we could to find an affordable house for her. But in the end... She couldn't find something that she could afford and ended up having to move down south to find a house that she could afford in Phoenix, I believe. Losing a Spanish-speaking nurse especially hurt. That skill is at a premium in Moab. Luckily, he found a local to hire. But Kaler says the shortage can impact overall health care in the area. Where we see the big problems is downstream, the domino effect. When other healthcare agencies are having a hard time bringing people in, then we don't have the capability of sending our patients out to those facilities in an efficient manner to get their care. It's not just nurses. It's front desk workers and lab techs and, of course, doctors. Everything is like walking through molasses right now. And so to get almost anything, you're going to expect it to be a little more of a hassle than it would have been if all the positions were filled. Hurley, the nurse who moved from Moab, was able to find his dream home after all. We bought a home in South Fork, Colorado. It's another small rural town. It's the kind of work he likes. He says rural nurses are a bit of a different breed than those working in urban centers. They wear multiple hats and are used to working different roles. And to be able to do that, that takes a lot of years of experience. It takes like several years of, of being there and just like working and kind of developing this breadth of knowledge. And if you don't have the infrastructure, like the housing, to be able to keep somebody there and they only work there a year, it's not to say that they're not valuable. You know, we need whoever we can at this point, but they don't become the nurses that make Moab Regional a good hospital, a great hospital. A hospital and healthcare system he thinks Moab deserves. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. Access to affordable housing is a growing challenge in most Western towns. Durango, Colorado is hoping to ease its housing crunch by purchasing a hotel and converting it into apartment units. If successful, it would be the city's largest affordable housing project ever. Sarah Flower reports for Rocky Mountain Community Radio. The city of Durango is currently working on the biggest affordable housing project to date by converting a 71-unit hotel into 120 units of affordable and transitional housing. The city of Durango has been working to purchase the Best Western Inn and Suites on U.S. Highway 160 since the beginning of the summer and is currently under contract for $7 million. Jen Lopez has worked in housing for decades and is consulting with the city of Durango through her company, Project Moxie. Lopez feels the city is taking a strong stand, which she claims is unique for a public entity. We did a real estate option on the Best Western we brought in a development partner to redevelop it. 
We put together a really strong team of local consultants in the city. A public entity said, this is important to us. We want to tie up an option. We want to put together a team. That kind of approach isn't very common, but it's really powerful. And so we have a resource. We want to put it in a play on our terms, and we want to put together a team to deliver what we need. The city is partnering with TWG Development, construction and management company. They say it's taking longer than expected to evaluate the building, which they hope to be done by February of next year. City Councilor Barbara Noseworthy is excited about the Best Western Hotel conversion and at a city council meeting says the numbers just add up. Fantastic job. Fantastic. I was at the Aspiro. I heard such good things about this firm, the developer that you've hired. And let me just see if I've got my math right. 75000 in consulting costs, a no-risk contract, and potential for $30 million investment in the community and 120 units. That's leverage I love to see. Rent for these units could range anywhere from $400 for a studio all the way up to $1,100 for a two-bedroom apartment. Estimates show that if all goes accordingly, these units may be available as early as 2024. Lopez says that while the Best Western Hotel conversion project is a step in the right direction, the community needs more to be done to combat the housing crisis. We have to build as we grow, and we haven't been building to, to our growth patterns in this area for a very long time. Part of that started in 2009 with the Great Recession, right? Everybody pulled back, so and we never really caught back up. There was a great study in 2018 statewide in Colorado, and that was cited as one of the biggest reasons that we were heading towards this crisis. And then what was expediting it was we didn't build for who was here, and then a whole bunch people came. Lopez says the key to moving forward around building is making sure there is diverse size, types, people, and to have local government subsidize infrastructure and then have the private sector build at cost and manage the properties. For Lopez, the time to start doing that is right now. Communities get moments of change. We're in it. I don't know if we have two years or five, but we have the right leaders right now and they understand we do have to increase production. There has to be some public benefit to the production. It can't just be have at it. There, there has to be a little bit of uh, give and take, but we do. We just need to build a lot more units right now. I'm Sarah Flower. This story is part of a collaboration between Rocky Mountain Community Radio Stations on affordable housing, funded by the Solutions Journalism Network. And now the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest coverage of the Moab area. The Grand County Commission updated the local voting district map this week. The Times Independence, Carter Poppy has more. The one thing that you should know, the remote parts of Grand County, which means Thompson Springs, Castle Valley, and the houses along 128 are all grouped into one district. They are in turn grouped with Eastern Spanish Valley. So that was kind of one of the main points of debate throughout this process was how to handle Thompson Springs, Castle Valley, and actually the areas right outside Green uh, River. They decided to group them all together because they felt that would give the most logical grouping for all those people, rather than trying to put Thompson Springs with people who live in the northern part of Moab city limits. 
So that's one of the kind of key questions that they answered. You can see the, the district that they chose online. If you just go to the county website, it, uh, there's a redistricting link to it. So you can see it there. I think the most important thing here is that everyone will have an equal vote, roughly equal vote in the 2022 elections. So whereas that was not the case before. So they've achieved the main goal. You know, how different is this map? than the previous one? Good question. I haven't explicitly compared them, but I, I think it's going to be pretty different, um, primarily because there just had to be so many changes to the old districts. Uh, the old districts were years, like decades old, and so the population balance was totally out of whack. The specific lines, you'll probably want to go see which district you're in now because it, it might have changed. Well, thank you, Carter, for going through that. You can read more about it in the Times Independent. Um, There's more that you want to highlight, though. So where do you want to take us next? Yeah, just really briefly, there's an application for a new lodging out by Westwater. So uh, the details are in the story. This one is different from other applications that we've seen recently because it's, you know, out by Westwater. It's not in the valley. So interesting debate over how to properly handle that application. So this application at Westwater, can you tell us um, what it is and what the county is considering? Sure. So if it's approved, it would basically be a rezone that would allow for another overnight accommodations project out by Westwater. It'd be off-grid and primarily focused on astronomy outreach. According to the developers, that's what they said in their project. It's primarily about astronomy outreach. Okay. Um, at maximum, it would encompass about 20 structures, which would include roughly 16 guest units um, in a common building, as well as two observation areas. So a relatively small project compared to what we're used to in the Valley. Anything else to say about that piece, Carter? It's really good. And Sophia's a really good reporter. What's funny is that you're highlighting some stories that Sophia is writing um, because Sophia is actually going to take your position and she'll be the new staff writer at the Times Independent and you are moving on. So can you tell us why you're leaving Moab? Moab has been one of the favorite homes that I've gotten to. I mean, the only home that I've gotten to make for myself uh, in my life. I've been here for three years now and I am moving because my girlfriend, Laura Duffy, she used to work for Youth Gun Project, which is how we met is doing a master's program at Oregon State University. So I'm going to go be with her. It's going to be hopefully one and a half years. We want to come back. Both of us have talked about this. Uh, we are hoping to come back to Moab. Carter, you were, you were staff writer at the Times Independent for three years. Are there any issues or topics or stories that you're most particularly like excited that you got to cover? Anything that you're going to remember um, about this community or your reporting here? I, I think that anyone who's even like vaguely familiar with my reporting is probably aware that housing is like the, the top issue that for Moab, but also for me that I'm interested in. That's an important political topic and, you know, also a very human one as well. So housing will, in Moab specifically, remain important to me. But I've, I've gotten to work with so many cool people, uh, you know, getting to just kind of ring up Carl Albrecht with the state legislature or even like Mary McGann, the Grand County Commission chair, and getting to, getting to pick her brain about whatever the important thing that we're reporting on that week. I mean, that's just been such a huge opportunity, but 
Really, it's been about working for Moab. You know, ostensibly, I work for the Times Independent. We're, we're a subscriber-based newspaper. We, we rely on our readers to keep us afloat. So we get a lot of feedback from readers. And uh, happily, the feedback I've gotten primarily from, from people who live here to my reporting is overwhelmingly positive. We've made a few missteps and said a few things that have upset people. And naturally we're a newspaper, but so often we get people just walking into the door telling us that we did a good job with this story or that one, uh, knowing us by name, knowing even how to pronounce my last name. And that's been, that's been uh, a great joy for me. Yeah. That's a really different thing, right? Being a, a community-based, you know, working at a community-based newspaper and living in the community that you're reporting on. It's, it's a unique thing. Um, do you have any thoughts about the importance of community newspapers in rural areas? Yeah. Uh, I would say that they are vital. I mean, I, I, I can say that, but there's like, literally empirical evidence that they are important. The empirical evidence is that when newspapers exist in an area, local governments spend and tax less. They are more efficient with their money. And it makes sense. You know, you have a watchdog, but I think deeper than just like what newspapers and the Times Independent in particular does for being a watchdog is it, it creates a center for the community. You know, we're not, we're not the soul, the heart and soul of Moab. That's what Moab is, but having a place where you can write into the editor and have your letter published and, you know, share ideas, share in, um, you know, grieving about tragedies, but joy as well in community successes. You can get that without a newspaper, but it is supercharged and very powerful, I would say, when you have a community newspaper, especially one that is like community centered. The Taylor family that owns this newspaper lives in Moab. They've lived in Moab forever. I think that's another like special thing about why the Times Independent is important in Moab, but community newspapers at large. And finally, Carter, anything else to say to listeners and readers um, as you depart from your position at the Times Independent? Working and living in Moab has been you know, such a great joy. And as I mentioned before, I, I am deeply hoping that I will get to come back. Of course, that's in part dependent on how the housing situation evolves. But the people who live here, I've, I've said from the start, like I, I think that the Moab is just so different in character from some, so many other small towns in the United States in the way in which it politically engages and shows up to meetings and does political organizing and has community events. I mean, non-political organizing as well is just such a huge thing here. I'm very proud to have been a part of a community that does those things well. And I'm, I'm optimistic about the future in Moab that those things will will get to stay, but it's just, it's just been such a joy to work with and live with the people who live here. They're just so vibrant and caring. It's been a very cool community to be a part of. Carter Poppy, staff reporter at the Times Independent. Subscription information and more stories can be found at moabtimes.com. The Moab Free Health Clinic is expanding their local outreach through a new community referral system. Allison Harford of the Moab Sun News has more from their coverage. 
the Moab Free Health Clinic is doing this big undertaking where they're trying to create a community referral system. Um, and so they just hired Josh Bauer, who is this new patient navigator. He's been in town for like two years, but he's new to the health clinic. And his job is kind of to oversee this community referral system. So currently the health clinic has 13 organizations signed up to its referral system and the referral system facilitates patient handoffs to other organizations. Um, So when patients walk into the doors of the free health clinic, they can have um, better access to this full spectrum of care that Moab offers. Um, And a couple of the organizations partnering within it include the Moab Valley Multicultural Center, Moab Solutions, Grand Area Mentoring, um, and Grand County Emergency Medical Services. Mm -hmm. So this is really cool and it's really important. And I think that the biggest thing is that it helps patients from having to tell their story Mm -hmm. like to every single organization that they go to. And instead they'll just be in one system and then whichever organization they go to can access like all of what they need from this patient. It's really cool. And it launched on December 1st. So it's pretty new, but the free health clinic is hoping for more organizations to partake in it. Okay. So you said there are 13 organizations participating now. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that a patient can walk in the doors of the free health clinic and easily um, get hooked up with other organizations like Wabi Sabi or Grand Area Mentoring to meet their other health needs, like their social Mm -hmm. health needs. Anything else to say about this piece? Yeah. So the free health clinic has served um, over 950 patients this year for a total of like 2,100 visits. um, And that's 10% of the Grand County population. Um, And I also talked to Doug Kaler, who is the executive director, um, and he estimated that by the end of the year, the clinic will have seen a thousand patients and provided over a million dollars in patient care. Okay, so there's a yeah. highlight of the uh, Moab Free Health Clinic in the Moab Sun News this week. What else mm-hmm. um, we got in there? So Lauren Van Vallee is a Moab local, um, and she grew up in Connecticut as a theater kid, and she's been kind of surrounded by monologue competitions and theater her whole life. Um, and so she is hosting Moab's first ever monologue competition um, for all ages. And it sounds really fun. And people can sign up and perform a monologue um, in front of a panel of judges. And the monologues will be judged, but it won't be, this isn't supposed to be like a really serious competition. This is mostly just supposed to be an accessible way for people to get into acting. So I was talking to Lauren about it and she said, yeah, she loves monologues and she's been kind of missing this theater community um, in Moab. And so she hopes that by hosting this competition, she will both bring people out of the woodworks um, and also hopefully spark some sort of excitement for theater in Moab. Anyone who wants to join or sign up can. Um, Signups close on December 31st and you have to sign up with a monologue. So the monologues have to be three to five minutes long and they can be from a play or a movie or they can be of someone's own writing. And Lauren said, if somebody wants to participate, but doesn't really know how to find a monologue or how to find a monologue that fits them, she will definitely help them out. And another part of it is that once you sign up, there'll be a mini acting class in January before the performance where Lauren will teach people about um, how to perform a monologue and how to connect to a character, stage direction, all that kind of stuff. It sounds really fun. It's 
not solely a competition Mm -hmm. it's um, a learning experience too yeah definitely and I mean the competition part like there will be prizes but they're just going to be fun and wacky there's another event that um is highlighted in the Moabs and News this week yeah what else is out there yeah I mean I've heard a lot about Moab winter and I haven't experienced it yet because I just moved here in August but one of the other Moab winter events that everyone's really excited about is Science Moab on Tap is coming back for a new series for their like 2021 to 2022 series so the first event will kick off on Tuesday December 14th um, starting at 6 p.m at Spitfire Science Moab on Tap is like Science Moab invites these scientists to come speak just in these informal environments where people in the community can come and listen and have this accessible science because a lot of times um, like new scientific discoveries or scientific research is only communicated through scientific journals that are also usually behind a paywall. And so um accessibility in science is a main thing that Science Moab tackles. And so these events are one way that they do that. So the new series will kick off with this scientist named Joel Berger, who um, considers himself an extreme conservationist focusing on large animals. Um, So he'll be talking about bighorn sheep in Moab and kind of this relationship between tourism and bighorn sheep, and more specifically the relationship between pregnant female bighorn sheep um, who have to find resources to take care of themselves and to take care of their like growing offspring during peak tourism seasons. I talked to Joel and he's a super interesting guy. He was doing a lot of his research in Russia, studying Arctic animals. um, And he was studying musk, oxen, and how they react to polar bears. And he was doing this by wearing a polar bear suit himself. Um, and just going up to them and seeing what they would do. But when he was in Russia, he had just a silly like date error on his visa that got him arrested and kicked out of the country forever. So he can never return. So he just decided to come back to Moab. And this was like three years ago. And so he said he's always been really interested in bighorn sheep. And once he found himself back in Moab, he was like, well, I guess now's the time to start studying them. Wow. <laughs> oh, so, super interesting guy. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing what he says about his research. Oh, that's fascinating. Like you said, you know, one of the great things about Science Mob on Tap is that it brings science into environments that aren't, you know, stuffy. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I also talked to Christina Young, who's the founder of Science Moab, and she said that these events are very community oriented and they're supposed to be for Moab and they're supposed to be for the locals to um, just like learn more about this environment that we live in. And then tell us about, you know, remind us the date of the first event and it's at the Spitfire and it's kind of like an indoor outdoor thing. Yeah. So um, it'll be on Tuesday, December 14th. Um, the doors open at 530 and the talk will start at six. And it'll be at Spitfire Smokehouse because at Spitfire, you can open, it's almost like a garage door. And so um, people can spill out outside and there'll be a lot more like outdoor seating. Allison Harford, staff writer at the Moab Sun News. Subscription information and more stories can be found at moabsunnews.com. 
And that's it for the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters about their latest coverage of the Moab area. You can find the pieces mentioned today in the show notes of the news at kzmu.org or wherever you download your KZMU News podcast. Thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU Community Powered Radio.